0: Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would open my lips and open our hearts to your word, to the knowledge that you're with us and that we could see you a little more clearly, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So, one last time, he is risen. He is risen. Amen. Amen. So, you know, as I was um, praying through, like, what to speak on this Easter, this road to Emmaus journey came to my mind. And can I admit that I always thought the road to... Wait, first, anybody know what the road to Emmaus is? Look at this. Good. You're as ignorant as I was. Okay. Um, So what we have in in the Bible is the passage that Gretchen read this morning. And this is that resurrection passage that many of us know where they run to the tomb. And then in Luke, right after that, it says, on the same day. I always thought it was like a couple days later. On the same day, you got these people walking, right? And I'd always envisioned these people walking as, um, as a guy, two guys walking down the road, right? But as I started reading commentaries, there's actually a good chance it was a husband and wife. I know. My mind started going, what? And they weren't one of the 12. So Jesus, the grave is empty. The same day, these guys are taking a walk back to their home seven miles and Jesus shows up and walks with them. They're, they're going to the town of Emmaus. And, and it's kind of it's cool to see this story unfold where they discover who Jesus is. It, it, it begins this way. It says, the very day, the very day that the tomb was empty. I, I missed that for years. Uh, there were two of them going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Can I say these people were walkers, right? You know, they, they, they had legs. And, and uh, they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Oh, uh, there's a bunch of things I love about this section. First, they weren't the seekers, who was seeking? The shepherd. Jesus is the seekers. And they, he wasn't seeking one of the 12, right? He was seeking this couple, right? They were part of like the disciple group, but they weren't the elite, right? They weren't the special prayed all night hand picked. And, and you know what helps me? It helps me to remember when I come into worship that before I ever am seeking Jesus, he's seeking me. Have you ever sat down to pray and you're like, Lord, I, yeah, my prayers, it's hard. And 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 it always helps me to go, wait a minute. I may be talking to you, but you're seeking me. Not just that. There's a bunch of scriptures that say that he's praying for you. When you're praying to him, he's praying for you. And, and when I get in touch with God seeking me, it... I don't know, it it softens my heart. It takes some of the effort away where I feel like somehow I have to scratch and claw and he's like, no, relax, Doug. I'm seeking you, right? And this was his mission when he was on earth, right? The son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. I think there's only two rabbis in history that actually went and picked their disciples. Most disciples came and and went up to a, a rabbi and basically was interviewed by the rabbi. And if they were smart enough, if they had enough scripture memorized, if they, if they were good enough, the rabbi said, yeah, you can, you can, like, come to Harvard. You know, I mean, that's Gamaliel, right? You were bright enough. The apostle Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. The guy's brilliant. And he, was, he went to Gamaliel, interviewed, and was accepted. Jesus, there was only one other one who went out and said, I want you, I want you, I want you, and he does that with us, doesn't he? You know, we don't have to be the Harvard and the brightest. We we are ourselves. So Jesus is seeking you, and he's seeking me. And when you go to prayer, remember that. And it says, while they were discussing this together, Jesus drew near to them. And this is this funny thing, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now some say, well, he was, last time they saw him, he was bloody right? Last time they saw him, he was, you know, so marred and abused, and he wasn't recognizable. Other people say, well, you know, he was ordinary. He didn't look special. I think there's a reason, but their eyes were kept, like, I, I believe there's a reason their eyes were kept from seeing Jesus because he had something to teach them, and he had something to teach us, So when I think about this passage, I think many times, we aren't the people running to the empty tomb. 21st century Christians, we can relate to this passage so much more, because this is a lot like our experience of Jesus. So he comes to them, he's with them, they don't know it, and and, um, their eyes are kept, and he says to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk?" I love, Jesus knows exactly what they're talking about, but he wants them to know. And they stood still, and they look look sad. Man, their hearts were burdened, right? And one of them named Cleopas, this is the only name we know, answers him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Like, this is common knowledge. All through the city, they killed Jesus, right? And... And when I think about this guy who we don't see mentioned any other place, right, Cleopas, I think the dude is like you and me, right? He's not one of the special people. He's, he's, he's an ordinary person walking with his wife, I, I believe, back home, discouraged, sad, because his savior, the one he followed, the one he thought would would change the, the Roman world was Was dead. And I couldn't help but think about how this is how it is with us. Brothers or sisters, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were powerful, not many of noble birth. You know, Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he goes, Hey, you guys are just normal people. And then he really insults them. God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You think you're special, right? You know, nope, you're not. And isn't this really what he does for us? He comes to us right where we are. He seeks us before we seek him. And he comes to ordinary people, normal people. I do believe many times there's something inside of us to, we just want glory. We want to be more than ordinary. We want to be extraordinary, right? And I think many times that quest leads us really down rabbit trails, right? Right? I mean, many people who have gotten everything they've hoped for are some of the most depressed people, right? Some of the saddest people. Because when you get that thing that you think is going to make you happy and it doesn't make you happy, what does it do? You go, I need something more, right? It's like the addictive cycle. And Jesus says, hey, what's it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? In a sense, embrace your ordinariness, and yet when you lose the world... You connect with an extraordinary God, right? And my mind goes to this really crazy passage in uh, Corinthians. I think it's Corinthians 3. You got this congregation, and they're fighting, and they're like, I follow this guy. I follow this guy. I follow Peter. I follow, you know, and, and Paul is writing going, come on, they're, they're all gods. And then he goes, all things are yours, don't you know? If it's Peter's stuff, it's yours, right? If it's another preacher, it's, it's yours, right? And then he goes, death is yours. Life is yours. The world is yours. The present is yours. The future is yours because they're Christ and Christ is God's. And if you're in Christ, he starts blowing our minds. Yeah, you are connected to an extraordinary God. And you can sing, he's got the whole world in his hand. But if you're in Christ, guess what? You got the whole world in your hand. You you can lose your life here, but you gain life being connected to Jesus. And and so Jesus asked them again, what things? And, And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early the the morning and they didn't find his body. And they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels and, who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. This is, so first, I love this. Who are they talking to? Jesus. You know. Hey, let me tell you about you, right? I mean, there's, there's so much humor in this oh, really, that really happened, you know? And, but their eyes are kept from seeing him, right? So they're explaining everything. It's like they knew the gospel, but they didn't know the person to whom they were talking about. And he was right there with them. It's so beautiful. You, and and what, is, what is he saying? Because you and I go, wait, Jesus did redeem Israel, right? Spiritually, there's this whole beautiful thing. So what, what kind of redemption were they hoping for? I, I think what they were hoping for is to kick the Roman hiney, right? I mean, if Jesus is your leader, all these people die, he just raises them all from the dead. Go back and fight more for me, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Hey, we're hungry. Well, he just feeds another 5,000, right? I mean, what kind of... They, they hoped for a political change. That's what they hoped for. They hoped for a change in their circumstances. And I couldn't help but think that many of us, when we come to Jesus, we come to him with that. How many, when you think back of, of, of early days, you're exploring Christianity, or God is drawing you unto himself, you, you came to him with a problem, right? You might have said, Lord, I really want... I want a, a spouse, right? I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. Or maybe it was in school. I just want to pass this test. I want to pass the bar exam, right? What, like, they'll never take prayer out of school as long as there's tests in school, right? And so people are like praying, right? And maybe some people are like, I want I want political change. God, I, you need to bring political change, right? Or some people draw near when there's debt and when there's money problems. And they're like, God, get me out of this mess that I'm in. And... And others, you know, Lord, I want to win the lottery, right? Yeah, you said, "Ask and it shall be given," right? You know, and um, and so many of us, when we first come to know the Lord, and we kind of dabble in the same stuff that Cleopas was talking about. He's like, "I want a God who will change my circumstances." You know, we cry out to him, God, change our circumstances. I remember when I was a child, we were on this 26-foot sailboat in Long Island Sound, and this storm came up, and the waves are coming, like, over the boat, and our dinghy that was a blow-up dinghy is like a kite, you know. And I was petrified. I brought this topic up with my dad. He goes, that was trauma for me too, Doug, right? Because he thought, we're just, you know, this, this could be it right? We're gonna, there's water coming in the boat. It, it was traumatic. And I prayed. I wasn't a prayer, but I prayed. And I made all these promises to God. But, you know, the storm ended. I kept no promises, right? Um, but that's how Cleopas is. We hoped that God would change our circumstances. But he didn't see the real Jesus, He didn't see Jesus was right in front of him, and he didn't see the real Jesus. And many times, when we come to God just with that kind of stuff, sometimes he answers our prayer, sometimes he he doesn't. But we need God more than our circumstances changing. And look what Jesus says Oh, you foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I want to be on that seven-mile walk. Don't you? Like, you have Jesus preaching the gospel to you, going through, like, all the scriptures. Look, look, um, look, here. Here, this is about me, right? You think of Adam and Eve. He failed the test in the garden. But Jesus, he passed the test in the garden, right? Abraham, he he was... He was sent away from his family to a place he didn't know. Well, Jesus left his father in heaven to a place that was foreign to him. He, he's like Abraham. Abraham is a, a picture of Christ. Isaac. Abraham is about to drive the knife through the heart of his son, and God stops him and says, now I know that you love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son. And we look at God the Father, and we say, God, now I know that you love me because you gave your only son for us do you see that Jesus is a true and better Isaac he's a true and better Joseph who who went to earth only to be raised up and sit like Joseph at Pharaoh's right hand at the father's right hand he's the true and better David right David faced the giants and we and and the whole army won it's like these two fight whoever wins the whole battle's won and you and I, we stand back and we watch Jesus on the cross win the battle of sin and death and damnation. And he gains victory over death by death. And his victory is imputed to us. Do you see that? Here's Jesus, seven-mile walk, just going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I had to suffer. I had to die. This is part of the plan. And it's this like beautiful beautiful story. And so they get to the place, to the village. So their seven-mile walk is over, and Jesus acts as if he's going farther. And they urge him strongly, hey, come and eat with us. Like, spend the evening, stranger, you know. And so he went in with them. And this is beautiful. And, and, And back to context, same day as he rose from the grave, same day, and he's coming in their house to, as to eat with them. And when he was at the table, Jesus took bread and broke it and blessed it. Baruch Hashem, Adonai, Eloheinu. And he gave it to his disciples. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. I wonder if they remembered Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And and, and this is this, like, beautiful picture of how we meet Christ, right? Like, we might not be people who run to the tomb, but we meet him in the breaking of the bread. We find him in Scripture. And look what they said. Didn't our hearts burn within us while we talked to him on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Early in my relationship with Christ, I, I wasn't living as a Christ follower, but I became addicted to reading the Bible. I was embarrassed about it, so I would hide it. I wouldn't let people know. But sometimes it was as if my heart burned within me it was just something in here that, that I'm like, this is life. I think I read one that was like at the fourth grade level because that was about probably my reading level back in the day, you know. And, uh, but it was life and my heart burned within me. There's something beautiful. And I think, I think this passage, this story is for us because we meet Jesus in the scriptures. He comes to us in the scriptures. He comes to us in the breaking of the bread. Now, I have a little warning Because there are cults out there that will say to us, you know, don't take my word for it. Go home and pray about it. And see if you feel a burning in your bosom. That's their language. A burning in your heart. And if you get a burning heart, then you know it's true, right? See, I I don't think the burning in your heart is something we seek, right? It's not a prescription. It's describing what took place then, right? You don't seek the burning. You seek Christ. You seek him in scripture. Maybe your heart burns. Maybe it doesn't. But but don't be deceived. I think it's so easy when we try to seek the feeling instead of seeking God. And their hearts burn within them. Oh, I was reminded of John Wesley. This guy's a pastor, This guy is a preacher. This guy had traveled to America and done, like, evangelical uh, tours, you know, on a horse. And he was kind of tired one day, one evening, and he was invited to, uh, I think it was a Moravian group meeting at an Anglican church, and he said, that evening, I went very unwillingly. Now, if you don't know, John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist Church. And he went to the society at Aldersgate, where they were reading Luther's preface to the epistle of Romans, about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. So we're reading Luther talking about the Bible. All of a sudden, something happens in this preacher's heart. They were reading about Christ alone for salvation and the assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. His heart burned in him. Sometimes we talk about, I know up here, right? Cleopas knew the message, but he didn't know Christ. And it wasn't until Christ unpacked the scriptures for him Did he actually have it travel down to his heart? It wasn't until he was listening to Luther's writings on Romans or even Galatians that it traveled to his heart. And then what do they do? They arose the same hour. They returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11. Now, we read this another seven miles, 14 miles in a day. When was the last time you did that, right? You're like, what? Yeah, 14 miles in a day. And they go back and they gather with them. The Lord is risen indeed. I wonder where that came from. And he appeared to Simon. So they're like, he showed up to Peter. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known in the breaking of the bread. And the reality is, is I love this Easter story because we're not running to the tomb. But Jesus comes to us in his word, and he comes to us in the breaking of the bread. Will you pray with me, Lord? I pray that you would draw us unto you, that you would let us know that you're seeking us before we ever return the favor. I pray that We could meet you in your word, that we could discover you and find you over and over and over again, that we could see the kind of love that our God would want us to know, you who would give yourself for us so that we could have eternal life in the now and forever. Jesus, in your name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.